word rapture means to be caught up. And um, so the trumpet of the Lord shall sound. The dead in Christ will rise. If it were to happen tonight, then we which are alive and remain as believers will be caught up to meet the dead in Christ that have risen, to meet them in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. We'll meet the Lord in the air. Then, after that, begins the seven-year period of tribulation. We are, we are going to um, give you just an overview of this tonight and make some conclusions of this. And um, <clears throat> if, you, if you want the outline, which really the outline is just the Bible, okay, if you want the Bible, we have some we can get to you if you don't have one, all right? But um, basically, what we're doing is trying to see all of this together as a package and then to think, okay, how should this affect me? I mean, sometimes it's difficult for us to read the Bible and transfer that into the reality of life. What we're talking here is the reality of things that are going to take place right here in southern Iowa. This is the reality of things that are going to take place globally, and never before in history has there been anything like this. And so we're not going to read through all this, but we're going to give you the breakdown of it tonight. And look at it. There are three groups of judgments that are mentioned in the book of Revelation. There are the seals, there are the trumpets, and there are the vials or the bowls. They come in sets of seven, and um, they go in that order. The seals, the trumpets, and the vials. So, beginning in... Chapter 6, John saw the Lamb opened one of the seals, and then we find he explains the seals. The first seal is basically the Antichrist will be revealed. The Antichrist will be on the scene. Um, you know, it's a, it's a very real aspect that... Um, The Antichrist is probably alive and actively at work right now in our world. I mean, this isn't just something that it's in the Bible. You know what I'm saying? And then the second seal, there will be wars and rumors of wars. The third seal is famine and starvation. Um, Again, You can read through this, and I encourage you to do this. The fourth seal is death to one-fourth of the world's population. Let's just say there's eight billion people. One-fourth of the world's population, two billion people will die. I mean... We can't fathom that. When, when 9-11 came and 3,000 people died in that, it shook the whole world. 
but this this is not some some science fiction story made up. This is the reality that God said this is going to happen. I sometimes imagine, can you imagine turning on the news when all this stuff's going on? I mean, the reality of this is is incredible. The fifth seal is martyrdom. There will be um, many, many people that are killed for faith in Christ. And you say, well, I thought Christians were caught up. There will be people that will come to faith in Christ during the tribulation, and it will be a very costly time for them um, to come to Christ is really um, taking, in essence, a death sentence. There will be great earthquakes. The sixth seal is a verses 12 through 17. Um, great earthquakes, stars fall from heaven. Um, earth and heaven are shaken. And also in this seal, there are um, God's... Sealing of the 144,000. We may come back at another time and talk about that. So, in the, the, the seven seals, the seventh seal then is the opening of the seven trumpets. And when this opening begins to take place, the sounding of the seven trumpets, there is silence in heaven for one half hour. In other words, the awe, the um, immensity of God's judgment caused there to be in heaven a silence that just, that just captivates heaven and they are taken in awe with the judgments that will be coming. To the point that there there is no praise, there is there is silence in heaven for one half hour. It tells us in chapter eight and verse one, and then the trumpet judgments are brought, beginning in chapter eight and verse seven. The first angel sounds the trumpet, and there is hail and fire mingled with blood. And this destroys one-third of the trees and the grasses are destroyed. You can only imagine hail and fire mingled with blood. The second trumpet, one-third of the sea life and the ships are destroyed. And um, the sea becomes as blood destroying one-third of sea life, one-third of the ships, and so on. The fourth seal is, the third seal, I'm sorry, is sounded. One-third of the fresh water is poisoned. We think Sheraton has had water problems in the last few years. One-third of the waters in the world are poisoned. I mean... We can't comprehend what is happening, and, and I'll, I'll say it now and I'll say it later. People that you and I know and love are going to be experiencing this if they don't know Christ. 
I mean, this is, this is catastrophic events that are taking place. The fourth seal, one-third of the sun and moon and stars are darkened. See, God is the owner, the creator, the sustainer of all creation. And he can do whatever he wants with his creation. And if he wants to turn the dimmer switch down a little bit, he's going to. And one-third of the sun, moon, and stars is darkened. You can only imagine the effect on that. Um, You can tell your global warming friends that they don't have to worry about that forever, all right? But the reality of how serious this is. Then the fifth trumpet in chapter 9, verses 1 through 12, the locust uh, representing demons are released from the pit and they torment mankind for five months. And um, we can't imagine the spiritual warfare, the spiritual degradation. Then the sixth trumpet that is sounded, the first, he has three woes that end up these trumpets. The first woe is the demonic locust. The second woe is fire and brimstone that kills one-third of the people that are left. Okay, so one-fourth of the people that are left. So that means there's three-fourths of the world's population left. So if you take one-third of three-fourths, how many people does that leave left, fraction-wise? One-half. So that means in the seven seals and the seven trumpets by the sixth trumpet, one-half of the world's population will be killed. Also, at this time, God raises up the two witnesses. They will be preaching. We'll talk about that more. They preach and do miracles. And and again, it's a reminder, in the midst of judgment, God has always been concerned about mercy. Um, Noah built an ark, and it took 120 years. That's an evidence of God's mercy. And God always comes, and he's always, and he, in his mercy, he raises up two witnesses. He raises up 144,000 evangelists, spirit-filled evangelists, to go and preach the gospel to the ends of the earth, even in the midst of all of this. And, and then the last trumpet, another a great aspect of earthquake, Christ's kingdom and his reign is foreseen. So... Here's two-thirds of these judgments that have taken place. Now, remember, the judgments are against the nations, against the people that have um, rejected Christ, but it's also used to bring Israel to repentance. Israel is in unbelief yet today, generally speaking. And that's the purpose of this tribulation period. So then we begin in chapter 16 where you will read about the, the last plagues 
The seven vials of God's wrath are opened up. The first vial is a a vial of boils and sores that um, come upon mankind. And the instrument of this is um, a grievous sores left upon them that had the mark of the beast and worshipped his image. Um, Then we find the second vial. All the seas become destroyed. The life that is in the seas become destroyed. It becomes as the blood of a dead man. Every living thing in the sea will die. I can't imagine what the stench of that will be like. A lot of sea life when it's alive stinks, let alone when it's dead. Then, and, and very similar to the trumpets, but now it is, it is complete, not one-third. Then, in verses 4 through 7, all the waters become blood. The fountains become blood. The rivers and the fountains of the water become blood. The fourth vial, the sun scorches men. And then God brings a darkness that is poured upon the seed of the beast. His kingdom will be full of darkness. They will gnaw on their tongues. They will gnaw on their bodies out of pain. And then the sixth seal or the sixth vial, the Euphrates River will be dried up. It's about, um, they say, about 1,700 miles. It will be dried up to make a way for the armies of the east to come for the battle of Armageddon. And the last judgment that is brought will be earthquakes in Revelation 16, 17 through 21. Um, Jerusalem will be divided in... Three parts in this last judgment. The mountains will be brought to destruction, and there will be hailstones 100 pounds in weight that will fall from the heavens. Can you imagine? I mean, they show hailstones the size of golf balls or tennis balls. Can you imagine the destruction that will come? The point is not that you memorize all these. The point is not any of that. The point is God warns and gives the details of what is going to happen on this earth to people that do not receive Jesus Christ as personal Savior. So we may be here tonight and say, well, Pastor, I know Christ is my Savior and and, um, praise the Lord, I'm not going to Go through that. Maranatha, let him come, you know. The reality is God's heart breaks for every person that is lost, and our heart should. Since humanity is lost, eternity is certain, and Jesus Christ is the only way of deliverance, we must extend every effort to bring Christ to the lost in our lives. 
Do you understand this, the very same thing that Sergio said he's trying to teach the people there to do is what we need to be doing, is to bring Christ to the lost that he has put in our lives. And that means preparing the soil. That means establishing friendships. That means taking initiative. That means maybe getting interested in something that you don't naturally have an interest so that you can rub shoulders with people and have an impact on people and make a difference in someone's life. And we... As Christians in our land, and it's a natural tendency across the, around the world, have a tendency to sit back and rest in the fact that we are saved. But if we could get a glimpse of the tribulation period and look at people, the people that you see this week, every one of them will either be caught up to meet the Lord in the air or they will be going through the tribulation period. And I don't care who it is. It's not a right attitude for us to wish anyone to go through that period. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should have repentance. So it means investing ourselves and... and Taking the effort, and and we'll be talking about that more this uh, in the rest of this month, to invest in people's lives, extend ourselves, come out of ourselves um, from the aspect of how can I develop a relationship with this person? How can I come in contact with this person? How can I make a difference in their lives? And God has given every one of us people that he wants us to bring the gospel to. See, the gospel is only good news if you hear it before you die. And there are individuals that your kindness to them and your hospitality... And your interest in their life can make a difference. But there are individuals that are living our own life in our sheltered life will not make a difference for the sake of eternity. And the reason our nation is in the mess it's in tonight is not a Republican-Democrat issue. It's a Christian not being the salt issue. The salt doesn't do any good in the salt shaker. And as far as, okay, what can I do to touch some people's lives? And, and there's, there's no telling the difference that can be make by, made by one thing that you do and think and there are there are many people here tonight that you share common ground there are many lives that could touch this one life an unsaved life you may work with them that same person may live next to another believer 
That same person may do business with another believer. Just think if all of us as believers started taking an interest in the lives of others. God, how can you use me today? Here am I. And the number one thing Christ needs is a willing heart. He doesn't need you to go to Bible college to do this. He he needs you to be a follower of his. God, how can you use me today? And, And to be intentional in this. God, I am desirous. I am committed. I want to make a difference. If you can use me to rescue one person from this judgment that is coming and that is nothing in comparison to the judgment of eternity in the lake of fire. But God, if there's, if there's one way, if, if I, by this action of mine, I could see a, a door open for a relationship here, by me going and being involved in this. See, you look at Christ's life and ministry, he'd go out of his way to touch people. We live in a time where we go out of our way to avoid people. And by nature, there's a lot of us that that's the way we are. Just let me go to my place, do my thing, be my... That is not, that is not the nature of God. And It is time that we say, God, help me, as we mentioned this morning, help me to love what you love. God, so love that person that maybe you struggle with loving. That means we need to come back and say, God, I need your heart toward this person. It may mean giving up my plans, and, and this is convicting in my own heart, giving up my plans to, to go and, and invest in someone. It may mean saying, hey, you know what? I'm not going to necessarily do just this stuff with the, my fellow believers, not saying it's wrong, but we get to where all we are around is fellow believers. Rather than just do this, I'm, I'm going to go invite this person to my house or invite them to go out to eat and, and see where God takes it. Or to go help them cut trees. You see your neighbors cutting trees? Show up with their chainsaw and say, you need any help? Well, nobody come helps me. Well, so what? See, this is, this is the life of Christ. And it's those things that make a difference. And honestly, the world is looking to see genuine Christians. Not just people that show up and say, you're going to hell if you don't get saved. We need to speak the truth. But do they know that we really care about them? Do they know that that we're invested in them? And intentionally, every day, we ought to be saying, God, how do you want to use me today? And that's why it's important we must heavily invest 
in the worldwide spread of the gospel. It's God's command. That's why this this mission's emphasis is so important. You know, it it thrills my heart to hear um, this young man that, that got saved, the police officer down with Brother Al, and to be praying that his marriage would be put together. It's exciting to hear about the 15 or the 5 or whatever are baptized and, and have come to Christ and the opportunities. <clears throat> so it's something that we do, we are to do here and then to <clears throat> heavily invest in prayer and, yes, in finances and, yes, in, in our efforts in encouraging them around the world. Honestly, um, there are many, many churches in our nation today that are struggling big time in, in just surviving physically, financially, and spiritually. And I believe much of it goes back to this aspect that we have internalized and all we're concerned about is ourselves. If God sees people concerned and, and thankfully, um, thankfully, as a church body, we have been concerned, but there is, a, there is much more that we can be concerned in. Honestly, and, and it's not... It's not patting ourselves on the head or back or whatever. There aren't many churches tonight that have this many people in it. For I don't know how. Number one, there aren't many churches that have church tonight. And and it's not because we're good. I believe a little bit of a little part of it is as a church body. We have been committed to investing in missions, and that's good, and I'm saying that's good. But I'm also saying we're at a 500 record. 500 records don't win championships. We want to win souls. We want to do more. There's much, much more that we need to do here, and there's no limit what can be done. And think about it. As you invest in this, the rewards of those five couples that go into Laos, some of that God's going to say, thank you for your supporting the Changs and praying for them. And look at from them, these came to know Christ. And from these, these churches were established and these souls were saved. All praise to God. But you know what? The cars we drive, the houses we live in, the savings accounts we have, the grandkids we have, none of that's going to matter for eternity except the souls that have trusted Christ. And that's what we need to invest in. It's important for us to understand that. All these judgments, I mean, as you go back and and think about it, these are, I can't even imagine what it'd be like 
Can you, can you just imagine if tomorrow morning the Sheraton River, the only river in the world, turned to blood? I'm not saying it's the only river in the world. It's the only one that turned to blood. I mean, Channel 13, 8, 5, they'd all be done. It's unbelievable. Sheridan River turned to blood. Well, I was just here yesterday fishing, and now it's turned to blood. If one river, this is one-third of the rivers will turn to blood. I mean, can you imagine what in the world's going on around here if just the Sheridan River turned to blood? I mean, these are things. We serve a mighty God that he, I was going to say, he's going to even snap his, he doesn't even have to snap his fingers. He said, water's turned to blood. This stuff is going to happen. And the only solution to it is Jesus Christ. What are we doing to make a difference? Heavenly Father, I pray that your spirit would stir our hearts, whether it's a young person here to the oldest person. Lord, <clears throat> as long as you give us breath, you have a purpose for us to make a difference in other people's lives. We're not just put here to wait out the time. Lord, I pray that the reality of your judgment, that the love of you would constrain us. And Lord, I pray that every one of us would repent of our self-centered, lackadaisical attitude and lack of love. And Lord, I pray that you would cause me to have a love for what you love for individuals. I pray that you would give me the selfless love that would glorify you and make a difference in lives for eternity. And Lord, I just pray that you would bring a working of revival in our love for you and our love for others as believers, and our love for the lost. Lord, I pray that this week we would be intentional in what we do. And as a result of it, you would be glorified. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.